topic so you know memorial day is coming up and people be throwing around black people started it because when me and you were talking about it i was like yo did black people start that he was yeah like, i, I mean know. it was like a meme going around it's just like yeah. the real starters of it were black people yeah and i mean i ran with it i mean i didn't fact check it right right so it's like well let's actually fact check this right so i mean you know as, as far as we're concerned it's just the holiday for barbecues mm. you know getting drunk day off from work and you know everybody returning to wearing all white you know, <laughs> niggas with they all white parties their white candles on they linens <laughs> <laughs> they case swisses ew. Right. Ew. <laughs> ew but no um so pretty much we learned that Many different states claim to be the birthplace of the holiday, but it wasn't until 2009 that it was discovered that former slaves did create a Memorial Day. So it is, I guess, recent news. So that's probably why. Well, well eh, that's not probably why we never heard of it because they wouldn't have told us that anyway. No. Nah. But you know that's why it's becoming uh, more present now to see this information. Okay. So, you went into more detail about the actual event than I did. So, if you will, please. All right, I'll take it from here. Uh, <laughs> so, so uh, Union General John Logan is often credited with founding Memorial Day, and he pretty much just made an announcement that uh, it's Decoration Day. That's what it was called back then. And uh, today, like you were saying, multiple states. North and South claim credit for establishing the holiday from like Georgia to Virginia to Illinois, all over the place. Mm-hmm. However, during the spring of 1865, African-Americans in Charleston, South Carolina, former slaves, for the most part, held a series of memorials and rituals to honor the dead. <clears throat> excuse me, to honor the dead of Union soldiers and celebrate the struggle against slavery. Now, this was a very large event. Uh, on the 1st of May that year. 10,000 people. Yeah, 10,000 folk. It's a lot. Yeah, and it was, air quotes, forgotten Mm -hmm. uh, until a historian at Yale named David Blight found records of it in Harvard's archives. All right, Brother Blight. All right, holla at your boy, man. Uh, (laughs) During the final year of the war, the Confederate Army converted a race course and jockey club into an outdoor prison holding Union captives. Now, Union means North, Confederate means South. Yes. Probably get that out the way. Yes. Um, the conditions of it were so bad. Uh, 257 died of disease and were buried in mass graves. So they were just dumping bodies in a big old hole. Right. And when they had to evacuate, when the Confederate Army had to evacuate, Charleston black workmen actually dug up the bodies. They came across it. 
they dug up the bodies and gave the soldiers proper burials. And they built a high fence around the cemetery and put the words at the entrance, martyrs of the race course. Can I say? Go ahead. So pretty much just to clarify, the bodies that were there, these are bodies of northern soldiers that were captured by the southern soldiers. So they were keeping them in a prison war camp. That That's the one he was talking about with the racetrack. Um, so they were holding them there. And when they died, they pretty much just dumped them all into this mass grave. So the people down there are the ones who, the, the blacks that were um, starting the Memorial Day or the Decoration Day event, they dug those bodies up and gave them proper burial. Just to clarify, because this part really confused me for a second. I'm like, wait, whose bodies were they? Why were they there? But mm-hmm. okay, keep going. All right. So um, what would follow after they dug the bodies up was a parade uh with about 10,000 people, like newly free people in cooperation with white missionaries and teachers. You know, you had 3,000 black school children uh, carrying armloads of roses and singing the Union March song, John Brown's Body, right? So it's funny because maybe about a week before we uh, decided on this topic, I'm on Instagram and I came across a post from Killer Mike, Killer Mike the Rapper, and he was saluting a man named John Brown. Mm-hmm. And then as the for one of the first things I come across is John Brown's body being sung by these school children, these black school children. So maybe I have to look up John Brown. So John Brown was an American abolitionist. And he pretty much just believed in a white. Let me put that out there. A white American abolitionist right. who believed in violence is the only way to overthrow the institution of slavery in the United States. So a little background on him. He, he At 12 years old, he was traveling through Michigan and he witnessed an African-American boy being beaten and it just haunted him for years. So it kind of formed something in him. Right. That made him want to really get involved and really see. He he saw the problems with slavery and just how inhumane it was. Mm -hmm. So he worked on the Underground Railroad. Um, He met with Frederick Douglass in 1847 in Springfield, Massachusetts. Then in 1849, he moved and settled in a black community in North Elba, New York. Okay. Right? He went went, went and moved to the hood. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? For the people. Right. So uh, as I was saying before, he he believed in using violence to end slavery and uh, he actually became involved into a in a conflict in 1856. He and several of his men killed five pro-slavery settlers in re in retaliation of an attack on I'm probably going to butcher this word, but it's Potawatomi Creek. Right. And uh, another thing I found a quote. Potawatomi. Right. <laughs> So uh, another thing I saw is a quote and he pretty much uh, he wasn't in in agreement with a lot of the other abolitionists. And he said, these men are all talk and what is needed is action. So my man John Brown was about that action. You know, I ain't about that action. Yeah, I ain't about that action. Right. Popping them Um, gums, but you ain't about that action. So another (laughs) shut up. So another note that he had in in, uh, 1858, he actually liberated a group of enslaved people from Missouri Mm. and helped guide them to freedom in Canada. And it was also in Canada that Brown spoke of plans to form a free black community in the mountains of Maryland and Virginia. Yeah, see, 
I saw there's so much with this topic because I did come across something like that. Um, I saw this woman talking about her ancestors and how they had a little like settlement up in the mountains. And her great grandfather was like one of the last blacks from the Civil War era still living up in the mountains. I'm just like, what? I mean, it's something I definitely want to look into more later. But this topic goes in so many different directions. Like, oh, my gosh. That's true. But, um, yeah, it's. All right, so more on Brown. Um, mm-hmm. uh, in October of 1859, he led a party of 21 men on a raid of the Federal Armory in Harper's Ferry, Virginia, now West Virginia. So wow. he held dozens of men hostage with the plan of inspiring a slave rebellion. Oh, shit. <laughs> right? So Brown's forces held out for two days. Mm-hmm. They were they were eventually captured and he went to trial quick as hell. <laughs> mm-hmm. And November 2nd, he was sentenced to death. So he's actually executed on December. Yeah, he was. Ex- oh, November 2nd, he was ex- he was sentenced to death. And then on December 2nd, he was executed. So his grave is actually still in North Elba, New York, near Lake Placid. And. It was declared a National Historic Landmark in 1998. So John Brown's Farm Estate Historic Site, uh, it's been managed since 1896. The grounds are still open to the public, and you could take tours of this place in the warmer months. But um, Wow. So that's a little bit on him. The things that we learn, huh? Right? The more that's you know. That's very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, by the way, yeah, we're kind of a teaching each other yeah, <laughs> because yeah. we didn't we didn't fully exchange notes on this topic because it was so broad so yeah very interesting zay thanks yeah, no problem oh my uh, god <laughs> so back to the actual event um, yeah oh i want to say too like the the soldiers the union soldiers that were dug up they weren't all black or all white it was a mixture and um they celebrated them no matter what because they felt like they were fighting for their freedom so they yeah, just correct. celebrated them all collectively. Yeah. All right. So back to the actual event mm-hmm. of 10,000 oh. people. <laughs> yeah, 10,000 people that were forgotten, mm-hmm. you know. Right. Uh, you had several hundred black women with flowers, wreaths, and crosses. And you had black men marching. Mm-hmm. You had the black children, uh, black children cor- uh, chorus. They were singing rally against, rally around the flag and the Star Spangled Banner. Um, you had Negro spirituals. I'm pretty for sure. <laughs> I'm pretty said. sure. I still say it. Um, <laughs> they did specify that it was Negro spirituals, but nah. they is, he's like, ah, uh-uh, they was Negro it's spirituals, that. right? It's, 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 it's absolutely that, according to me. Um, <laughs> what man, else they gonna be, right? Right, right. They ain't the only one that can make up history, right? <laughs> so uh, then they had ministers read from the Bible. <laughs> All right. That uh, after there was a parade, the crowd dispersed mm-hmm. into the infield of the actual track. Remember, this is at a a jockey track, like a horse racing track, and they enjoy picnics, speeches, and watch soldiers there. So you know, they was out there. I mean, that's pretty much where you get it from. We eat good right. on there. Makes we sense. got they probably dancing, holding hands. It's probably mm-hmm. the first electric slide. You know right. what I mean? Like right. And that was soon as the war was over too. So they're really celebrating. Yeah, you know? yeah. And yeah. It you was know, devastating. pretty much their their freedom was beginning to finally be concrete, mm. especially in the South. Yeah, so, yeah. They was partying, party up. Right. So whatever they was doing, the wobble. 
right? You're playing games. But imagine Continue. that. But I thought I thought it was interesting though. Just a mm-hmm. side note, you know, you had black children singing "We'll Rally Around the Flag" and the Star Spangled mm-hmm. Banner, mm-hmm. and just imagine that, you know, uh, that's some patriotism shown after right. all this and. I was curious. I wonder if they sung the full version of the Star Spangled Banner because you know we don't we don't acknowledge the full version. The mm-hmm. full version actually says some real, actually says some real racist stuff. But right. anyway, so if you fast forward to modern day, uh, in 1966, President Lyndon B. Johnson declared Waterloo, New York, the the birthplace of Memorial Day. For whatever reason, I don't know. But uh, <laughs> it's going to be here. Right. It's going to be here. Right. So then um, in 1971, Congress established Memorial Day as a federal holiday. These dates were used. Yeah. Right. That's like 30 years ago. No, it's not 30 years no, ago. Why do not. I treat 2000? Yeah, I treat like 2000 as the marker. Almost 50. Right. Isn't that crazy? Shit. Oh, we almost a 2020. Nigga. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So those those. uh dates used in conjunction to the original union general john logan that we were speaking on before are kind of used against crediting the stuff that happened in charleston you know and then eventually the race course that was the uh, the the site of the celebration was eventually named after a confederate general who became south carolina's governor right after the war or after the war so from there, you know, every year in Charleston, as I was doing the research, the reenactors come together <laughs> and they oh, come God. together. Right. And oh, they come together. Right? They come together and they honor a Confederate general, a Confederate general Stonewall. And I. Ah, oh, yeah. No, there was another stone. There was Stonewall um, where I grew up, too. Remember I was telling you about the oh, first right. the fight of Bull Run. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Right, and then there, right. there's Stonewall right next to my old neighborhood as well. Virginia all up in this mess. Yeah, Virginia backwards. Right in the middle. Right. Right in the middle of everything. But I can, I never understood this reenactment thing. You know what I mean? Like, right. Like, like seriously, like how how scary is how scary is it that like Confederate ideology is so strong? It's so strong that from eighteen sixty five they reenact losing every year. every year they get together they lose they schedule a l every year yeah so it's like yeah how do they end it like i I mean they did win some battles so maybe they picked the ones that they won to reenact that's some revisionist history for you it's like right oh we just gonna skip over that part that's like when i watched lion king and i like to you know skip over the part when mufasa dies it didn't happen yeah pretty much but like i just imagine (laughs) like some i just imagine some hillbilly like this year gonna be different jasper (laughs) (laughs) we gonna get i'm telling you it just feels different this year we gonna get them yanks yep yep you know what i'm saying (laughs) We but, will not uh, succeed to the union. <laughs> right? No. Nope. All right. So uh, back to the prison camps. The prison camps. Uh, mm-hmm. Tell us more about this. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Wait. Before before the prison camps, though, What's I wanted up? to say real quick that um, the Memorial Day practices were not initial, initially even like practiced by the Southerners. Because they didn't feel compelled to spend a day decorating the graves of their former enemies. Yeah, they lost. <laughs> they, can't be hum- they can't be humble. <laughs> so, I mean, it's like, 
But, you know, over time, Northerners, they started decorating the graves of both sides as a form of reconciliation. So it's like the Southerners, like, y'all could have still decorated your own. I get whatever. Like, so damn stubborn. Right. But, yes, back to these Civil War prison camps. Um, I was like, I when I saw that initially, when they say they dug the bodies of the 257 people, I was like, wait a minute. Like, wait, what? Mm. And what's up with these prison camps? Like, what, why were these even there? Like, In what is existence. going on? Yeah, yeah like, what, what is going on? So, pretty much... Um, and the prison camps are really the cause of there being these massive grave sites littered all throughout the North and the South. Because there's tons of them that have been discovered and that are still, I don't want to say tons, but it's a good amount that are still there because it's just, you know, they have to find a place to put all these bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, and even in my research from other wars, too, there's mass graves from, like, I think the Revolutionary War, there's a mass grave in Washington Square Park in Philadelphia. Oh, wow. Like, right down 7th and Walnut. I was like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just, it's little full little of, time. like, yeah, it's full of old soldiers and a bunch of slaves. Like, okay. <sighs> Good to know. But anyway, back to the prison camps, why they were there. So when both sides, so when the North and the South caught a troop from the opposite side, so whenever a Northerner caught a Southerner, um, you know, mm-hmm. they would pretty much put, like, hold hold on. So they had this parole system of where they could exchange the captured troops and then continue on fighting. So it's like, you know, I got one of your men, you got one of mine. All right, I'll give them back. You know, yeah, because they knew that you know? their side was being captured, too. So they would hold on to them. So in in the meantime, before they could find somebody to trade them with, instead of, you know, just killing them or whatever, in some instances, they would have them in these camps. Um, that were, of course, supposed to be temporary. Um, but once more blacks started joining the war, the exchange system just broke down completely in the mid-1863. Now, this is like barely a year after blacks were even able to legally join the military. And it's already like, soon as they, yeah, as soon <laughs> as we, we get involved, involved like, up. yeah, they can't, they can't be fair anymore. You know what I'm saying? Because they were still being yeah, fair yeah. with each other, even though they were fighting. So it's like the Southerners refused to treat captured black prisoners as equal to white prisoners. So then they were pretty much on both sides. It just started, you know, the the bodies started piling up in these prison camps. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. It's just stupid. Like, couldn't just keep going on with the program. No. No, not at all. Not at all. And it's all because they didn't want to treat us equally, you know, even if it was to their own detriment. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? They they still had to deal with the bodies. And then, too, I'm pretty sure, like, the the southerners that caught black union troops probably wanted to keep them down south for their own benefit and because they didn't want them to continue going back up north to be free you know that could have been a part of it as well why mm. they didn't want to exchange it's like oh no yeah. no got our contraband back you know like <laughs> they got a piece <laughs> of property back right there so many men ended up dying in these prison camps from starvation disease and basically living in tents or holes because most of the camps were outside so I was reading accounts where people were literally digging holes to sit inside, especially in the North, like, or I mean, even in the South too, it gets cold in some parts, um, you know, just to try to protect themselves from the elements. But um, that's so mm-hmm. basically all these people were dying out. Most of them, it seems like they died in these camps and not even in battle. So that's where these mass graves are beginning to start appearing to accommodate all these bodies. And typically, mm-hmm. 
you know, on opposing sides, the enemy that died in battle would typically be thrown into the mass grave. I mean, especially blacks on either side. They just throwing them in mass graves no matter what. And if one of your own died, mm-hmm. they would bury them honorably. So if your enemy died, you just kind of tossed them all, you know what I'm saying, yeah, into the same the pit. And then you take your own and put them, you know, put their name on them and stuff so that they could be accounted for. So it's just really, it's just scandalous all around how, you know, <laughs> you're fighting within your own country and then that's how you're treating them. Yeah. But in general, well, not in general, but okay. So the total blacks, the total number of blacks that fought in the civil war was about 190,000. And it's recorded so far that 30,000 of them died and more than half of them unidentified. Now the total amount that died out of blacks and whites are over like is pretty much like three hundred thousand, wow. and fifty four percent of those bodies have been classified as unknown. So that's a lot. That's a lot of people. <laughs> yes, yeah. So, um, for example, one thing I came across, a Jefferson Barracks Cemetery in St. Louis contains five hundred and sixty four mass graves still to this day. Duh. I was like, how many? 564 mass graves and i mean i don't know how many bodies make mass you know what i mean like i don't know if it's 10 bodies or you know what i mean um but it says that there's more than 3,000 unknown soldiers from the civil war at that particular cemetery i'd be Um, mad as hell i fought in the civil war and and my name even ain't even on that's the thing yeah it's it's unfortunate and i mean you can just think about all the people that have died um just throughout the years that are in just, more periods just yeah. lost yeah um but i also saw like the way that these bodies are coming to light is like say one story was a treasure hunter with a metal detector discovered the remains of 19 black union soldiers on folly island in south carolina in 1987 so then they were able to go get those bodies and bury them you know honorably in a veteran cemetery so it's like over the years that's how these bodies have been getting moved they kind of just been discovering them when they pretty much yeah Yeah. and i mean even like recently i saw like maybe two years ago like it's like people like developers will be digging up a parking lot or something you know and it's like oh shit like there's 30 people under here Mm. um yeah so yeah, inter- yeah, interesting. It, it, it is interesting. interesting. Um, you never know if your house is built on top of. For sure, right? <laughs> um, so I got a question. Mm-hmm. Uh, how did, on both sides, like maybe, how did mm-hmm. black people get involved? Get right. involved in a war period. Like, you know, mm-hmm. obviously they were slaves, so right. some of them might have wanted to fight, but, you know. Yeah, still, like, what was the process? Yeah, what was the process? Because, you know, we're just... Happening? We're just given a very simple watered down version of how everything happened. Nice, neat little package. Yeah. So pretty much from what I gathered, the way that it kind of started was that, you know, Southerners, they were setting up their forts, their military forts in the South using slave labor, of course. And the Union Army people, they needed to set up their forts as well. And they didn't necessarily have slaves. Um, at this point in time, this is like 1861 when the war was starting. Slavery re- really wasn't practiced that much in the North anymore at this point. So what they would do, that doesn't mean that they were treating, you know, black people well, though. Mm-hmm. Um, so what they would do is pretty much um, threaten black people to work for them, to build these forts for them and promise that they would pay them, of course, without actually paying. Or they would pay them like, you know, just teeny tiny amount. Mm-hmm. and 
after they finished building these forts, many of the slaves ended up joining the Union side of the war um, just in hopes of getting away or, you know what I mean, just to be able to show some sort of patriotism, which may, you know, a lot towards their freedom, you know, just any way that they can find an escape route, they're going to take it. Yeah, they're finessing. They were just finessing finessing their way to freedom. So any loophole they can jump through to get some sort of freedom, they would. Yes, and them jumping through that loophole ultimately would start to lead towards the emancipation of, you know, slavery altogether. Mm. You know, them, you know, finessing their way through the cracks. Yeah. So what we would need to talk about, though, for all this to make sense is how the Civil War even started. Okay. Okay, so from what, sort of my research, (laughs) (laughs) slavery died down in the North by 1805. Okay, the Civil War began in 1861. Pause, pause, Hmm. because one of the things that uh, we need to make sure we highlight is that a lot of people just view slavery as a South thing. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, especially with the Civil War. They mm-hmm. just view slavery as only uh-huh. happened in the South. There was slavery all over the place. Uh, nah. The South the North- just took it to another level. Oh, the Northerners were the originators. Like, yeah. I didn't even get that deep into it. Mm-hmm. But that's why they have um, the remains of slaves underneath the World Trade Center, you know, oh, that wow. they discovered. Yeah. So it's like slavery was practiced so heavy up in the New York region. Like, and that's why they're like, and it's funny, too, because you know how... The, like New York is a melting pot, but you know how they always still talk about how the treatment of blacks are, you know, in New York are, you know, very discriminatory. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's just ingrained in New York. You know, they were, it was built off of slave labor. Yeah. You know, and country period. Country exactly. Period. But yeah, they really don't talk about how, as much in history, you know, the, how many slaves were up North, far up North, you know, mm-hmm. really. Uh, being used um but anyway because that was i couldn't even like get into that because it was that was a whole nother thing i was like whoa yeah that's (laughs) research that for another day but um so what i was saying is so slavery died down in the north by 1805 and the civil war began in 1861 so this is 60 years pretty much of the south still holding on to slave capital clearly if they're still doing reenactments they're holding on to a lot of things (laughs) (laughs) right so so i was like pretty much from what i gathered i guess you know slave inflation happens over time shut up (laughs) with greedy you know people in charge so in the 1850s okay so remember civil war started in 1861 so in the 1850s large plantation owners in the south destroyed the small farmers because they owned most of the slaves Mm mm-hmm so they were, I don't know if the price went up on slaves and <laughs> stop laughing. It sounds horrible. I know. No, it just, it was I so know. far it's removed. It's like the way, yeah, it's like the way, yeah. it's like what? So yeah, like regular con people at this point weren't really able to afford slaves. So it's mm. like your everyday Joe didn't have slaves anymore at this point. So well, how, how unfortunate. Yeah. Oh, so sad. So I look at this as like pretty much the same way that these large corporations do in present day. You know, you buy out all the smaller guys to hoard all the resources. Yeah, you kill the mom and pops. Right. So these smaller farmers at the same time, you know, they they weren't living as luxuriously as them. They ended up having to look towards them 
for like loans because the banking system wasn't like really fully set up in the South at this point. So they would get loans from these large plantations. They would go to them for materials and supplies, things like that. Mm -hmm. So, you know what I mean? So it's like they have these few big yeah, they're, they're they're like the Walmart of you know, it's exactly. like when Walmart comes into town. You exactly. Know what I mean? So, you know, um, stop saying you know, but <laughs> <laughs> but the poor whites and small farmers still accepted the political leadership of the planter elite because they looked up to them in hopes that they too would own slaves someday. The the American dream. Yes. <laughs> One day. One day. One day I'm gonna own I'm gonna own me a human. Right. Like what? That's what you're aspiring to do? Yeah. Okay. So the principle of white supremacy was accepted by almost all white Southerners of all classes, you know, and made they to make slavery seem legitimate, natural, and essential for a civilized society. So they just kept, you know, turning the blind eye. It's okay, it's okay, because this is, you know, how it needs to be. Um, but also what makes a lot of sense too is why they were all so unified in that ideological ideolo what the fuck <laughs> ideology there yes. we go ideologically right. good girl okay i'm like wait a minute now what word is that okay <laughs> that ideology there we go yeah. um there was no secret ballot voting at the time in the U.S. until the 1880s. So even if a person wanted to vote against the wishes of the establishment, they feared that they would be public, publicly ostracized. Wow. So yeah, all your business was out in the street about how you felt. So. And even and and I I find it it's funny how like um even all classes. So mm -hmm. the poor people who were getting the short end of the stick, yeah. they're still voting to keep the establishment in power, even if it's to their own detriment. You know. <coughs> Trump. <coughs> <laughs> <laughs> Trump, Trump, Trump. <coughs> you know i mean we see that still in present day yeah of course they all want to try to stick together when it's like uh, anyway moving yeah. on okay so before the civil right before the civil war not right before but before the civil war started um i want to say maybe this argument was going on i guess like 10 years prior so throughout the 1850s um there was a huge argument going on between the north and the south for the Southerners to have the right to take their slaves westward towards Louisiana, Texas, etc. Expansion. Right. Westward expansion, as mm. we know about it in our textbooks. Mm. Um, but the um, pretty much the North was like, no, like, you guys keep your slaves to the coast. I don't know if, I didn't look into this more, but I don't know if they were saying no because those pretty much, those parts of North America were already colonized by the Spanish. And then there was Mexico too that had Texas already. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if maybe they didn't want to start no more shit immediately. Well, I think I mean, it's like a lot of moving parts, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cause it, it could be economic based as well. You know, you start expanding mm -hmm. and you get enough money. We can't going to be able to tell you nothing. Right. So, um, this was all, you know, well, this was pretty much when Lincoln was getting elected. That was his argument, pretty much was against what the Southern states wanted, and that got him elected without any of the Southern votes. So the Southerners felt like, you know, that was a slap to the face, and, you know, they won't even, nobody's listening to them at all. Mm -hmm. So that's why they decided um, that, you know, they were going to do their own thing. 
and they wanted to try to assert their authority over the federal government so that they could abolish federal laws that they don't support, <laughs> okay. you know, especially laws that interfered with their right to keep the slaves and take them wherever they wanted. Uh-huh. You know, they want to do what they want with their slaves. So um, the North already had military forts, you know, up and down the coast mm-hmm. because it, we were just one at this point. Um, so the way that it all got, you know, on and popping was pretty much, um, somebody in the South, I don't remember who it was, attacked one of the, the forts, the, one of the union owned forts. Yeah. Mm. And that pretty much started the civil war. Like, I don't know if they were just running over drunk with their horse and threw a Molotov. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, the civil war started in April, 1861, all because they were salty. Yeah. Because they couldn't take their, like, just stay here with your damn slaves and be happy here. God dang, like. Nah, I mean, that's the American way to grow. There has to be growth every year. Like, you know what I mean? It's great. Uh, and you can assume, you can assume that the, the, the slaves built some of these forts as well. Oh, yeah, they built all of the stuff. <laughs> like, that's pretty much like, yeah. Everything. Everything. So, yes, yeah, so we can go, so now we can wind back. Or wind forward because I just went back, so now we can go forward back to when the war started. Um, let's see. So pretty much throughout 1861, which is the beginning of the war, into 1862, many Southern slaves would escape to the Union forts in hopes of being able to fight against the Confederates. Mm-hmm. So when once the war, you know, was you know, it started up, and then you know the Union's moving down, whatever, vice versa. There, you know, everybody's moving around. They're setting up these different forts. The Southern Slaves were hoping, you know, let me try to escape over to them and prove that, you know, I can be uh, of useful. Yeah, useful. exactly. I can be of use to them in some way mm-hmm. and they'll, you know, take me on because um, free men in the north, they still were not allowed to enlist technically in the war at this point because there was a law in effect saying that blacks couldn't enlist into the military. But I guess after they saw how useful the southern blacks were, you know to them the ones that were sneaking over they lifted the ban and allowed them to like officially enlist they lifted that ban in 1862 and they would only but they would only allow the southern blacks in if their masters were confederate so it's like hold on where you come from all right you a southern black all right i think it was you know i think it was uh kind of like a vetting system it's like it's safe to assume that if your master was a confederate you want to fight against the Confederates. Right. But I'm like, too, like, how would you even know if they tell them the truth? Like, yeah, that, that's just... Everybody, I'm like, yup. Yup, yup. Down there, Alabama. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was a jerk. <laughs> he was a real jerk. <laughs> you know, just that's say some a, common ass name. Yeah, Thomas. Nah, that's, that's like, that's a, an example of how illogical, like, prejudice is. Right. Because it's just like, you just threw this in with, like, one, a stipulation that you had no way that you can prove. Exactly. How you gonna prove that? <laughs> okay. So Lincoln's Emancipation Proclamation came one year after they lifted the ban to allow the blacks to finally start enlisting. Mm-hmm. Um, that came one year after in 1863 to quote unquote free all slaves. Now, this isn't as genuine as it's always been described to us. Okay. Um there's a little bit of cheekiness behind it because it was <laughs> it was pretty cheekiness. It was pretty much a military strategic move uh, where as, OK, 
you want to fight over not being able to move slaves westward, then how about I set them all free so you don't have nothing? Like, yeah. and then they all could come up here and fight with us. Like, that's pretty much what it was about. It really wasn't with us in mind for our benefit. It was really just to just do another jab at them. Yeah. yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because they wouldn't secede. Move, like yeah, they saying. wouldn't secede. So it's just like, all right, fine. You won't even have any slaves anymore. How about that? Um, but, oh, so on the side note, though, that I thought was really, uh, I don't know how to feel about this. Um, well, I guess I kind of do, but it's like you can see so many different sides with this. Mm. In lieu of the upcoming emancipation in 1862, Lincoln worked on urging African-Americans to consider immigrating abroad to escape the prejudice that they encountered here, but also to get as many of the free black Americans away from their oppressor in fear of what a free black man would mean for this country. So I was looking and I didn't dive too far into it because that's a whole nother thing. But there has been a recolonization effort of former slaves in this country between like the 1800 to the 1860s. And, you know, hence the Panama Canal. That was one area they focused on of pretty much shipping former slaves down there to build the canal and just pretty much live there. And they also like there's Liberia that they set up where they took a group of former slaves here and just basically recolonized, kicked out the native Liberians and just dumped some, just dump you know, some more. Yeah. Some more dumped black, some black people yeah. here. And they had plans on um, doing a recolonization effort and a part of Haiti, but it went terribly wrong because they had like got funding from the government they had supplies and everything and i guess some illness broke out on the ship so only about like they think they were trying to do a total of five thousand people shipped Mm. out of here to haiti but only they were only able to do like 450 um because by the time that was going on all the funding kind of dispersed after the war but yeah it's crazy and i think they also had like i don't know if louisiana was part of the united states at this point I don't know, but I saw something, too, saying something about dropping, you know, a group of blacks down there, too. So it was like they were trying to it's like, all right, so slavery's over. All right, let's get rid of them. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, in fear, I guess in fear that we were just going to all out, you know. Well, I think, you know, it could be multiple reasons, but. Because uh, he was trying to come I, from the viewpoint of, you yeah, know, they're not going to treat what you happens good now. Here. What happens mm-hmm. now? You know, you opened up this Pandora's box of slavery and. Mm-hmm. Now it's over, and no real good can happen for black people. You know, right. like how how does this re- get resolved? Right, you know, right. And I don't think it does exactly. So, all right. So once the Emancipation Proclamation was signed, ex-slaves. Now we can call them ex-slaves, I suppose. I mean, even though the the proclamation is an announcement, it's not a law. It's just saying it, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's just making an announcement. So, you know, all you got to say, motherfucker, all you had to say was a word. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so they started fleeing the Confederacy. Hell you know, niggas yeah. was out. They out. So, you know, any way they could. And I'm sure this is um, ties into the um, Underground Railroad as well. But Congress's order still didn't require Northerners to welcome every ex-slave who came and knocking. You know, Mm. that still didn't mean that you had to treat them respectfully or change your viewpoint. You know what I'm saying? Um, There's always still that uh, gray area in the transition. I forgot the date, but they're only 60 years removed from having slaves themselves. Exactly. So, yeah, it's just like the other day. And there was still prejudice and all that type of stuff, too. So, 
stuff that's still going on today. But okay, so uh, <laughs> so some of the northern soldiers would exploit the ex-slaves. You know, some of them would just kill them on sight, mm-hmm. and some even profited off illegal trade on the black market to the enemy. So some of them would sell them back. Ship ship them right back. Sell them, yeah, sell them back to the Confederates. Mm -hmm. So it was still just risky. Like, just imagining just living through that is just... You can't even fathom it. You can't even fathom Mm -hmm. it. Like You you can't trust nobody. Like, Mm -mm. Nope. But, you know, still the slaves of the South continue to volunteer to fight. Because they were determined to taste even a watered down version of freedom until the real thing came along. Mm-hmm. You know, any little bit, you know, it was like Buck closer. It. Any step closer, we can get to freedom. Yep. We're going to take it, no matter yes. what that means. Right. Like, yeah. You know. Right. And it was like some of them really enjoyed being able to fight against their previous slave masters, but mm-hmm. it's like it's still alongside their ancestors' previous slave masters. So it's messy. Yeah. It's messy, you know. We always have to turn a blind eye. We always have to turn That's very die. true. That's very true. <laughs> you know? But, um, oh, so with the Emancipation Proclamation, it authorized the recruitment of free slaves and free blacks as Union soldiers. So during the next two and a half years after this was signed, so it was signed in 1863. So over the next two years, um, with all the blacks joining, just the North outweighed, out outnumbered the South very heavily. Mm-hmm. Um and by May 1863, the Bureau of Colored Troops was established to manage the black enlistees because there were so many. So they had to set up, you know, some sort of program to have it organized and, uh-huh. you know what I mean, keep track of all that stuff. Um, and recruitment was it was low until active efforts were made to enlist black volunteers. So I guess that's how they really got those numbers up. And they were saying one of the volunteers was Fred- Frederick Douglass. Um, who helped um, encourage, yeah, who helped encourage free black men to volunteer as a way to ensure eventual full citizenship. He was like, you know, this is something you guys have to participate in um, in hopes of, yeah. yeah. (sighs) Uh, Sidebar, side Mm -hmm, note. um, mm -hmm. I don't know if you've ever read it, but the, the biography of Frederick Douglass is such an important read. And it seems like his name keeps coming up in this. I know. So no, it's it's such an important read. So I would. I think I had to read it in class before, but we read like just an excerpt, and I don't even remember. I think look, that was when I went to a black school, Ooh. but um, <laughs> for that that one year. But mm. uh, <laughs> but no, definitely yeah, want to check that out again. But um, but so blacks in the war, they served of course as relief. You know, served as relief roles, uh, working as nurses, cooks, blacksmiths. The South refused to arm blacks. Mm-hmm. You know, they were not, no, they were not letting their slaves join because they were in fear of a slave rebellion. Mm-hmm. But they did use them to help, you know, build their fortifications and perform the camp duties. So there were slaves still on the battlefield, but they were still tending to their master. Or they would have the job of, like, if their master was killed, they would have the job of making sure that the body would get back to his family. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But I wonder, I mean, like, what happens when, like, say you're, you're a Union soldier fighting... Mm-hmm against the confederates and you just run into a black uh a confederate slave a black slave mm-hmm. like what type of interaction did that cause like you know yeah did they just yeah let them go on by or yeah I don't know. you know yeah 
Um, many, so, but then in the beginning, many Northern officers refused to believe that black troops would fight when it came time. So mm-hmm. they off, they were often assigned non-combat duties or they were placed in the rear guarding railroads and bridges. But one essential <laughs> part that they did play, that blacks did play was as spies and scouts to the Union Army. So mm-hmm. they were able to provide valuable information about Confederate forces, their plans and familiar terrain like, you know that <laughs> Man, they know the sound right? right i know this i know this feels like the back of my hand i'm done with you <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah yeah it's my hood it's my old hood hey, hey, you gonna make a left yes yeah, they go, know exactly where go to go around the, going around the corner like two songs you gonna go for like two songs <laughs> two songs hey <laughs> true <laughs> but information gathered from black sources were so numerous and valuable that they were put into a special category. So that category, they were called the black dispatches. So, right. <laughs> so escaped slaves, many of them whom fled to the union lines were carefully debriefed and some were recruited as spies. Um, you know, when they would return to the slave territory, they would co with white agents uh, posing as their masters so they would you know be a little undercovers they go back down there to see what the hell they was down there planning and stuff that's that's <laughs> that's very interesting that's like Django, <laughs> right oh my god i didn't even think of that yeah that's I, like I need Django. to watch that movie again Django. <laughs> <laughs> yo ah look at that look at Man. that huh that's where they got it from connections connections, connections. But- <laughs> <laughs> but uh freed blacks including <laughs> mother harriet harriet tubman were also spies harriet tubman led a raid in south carolina in 1863 so she was up in that joint early i was like yo uh, we don't never right we'll never hear about a thug mrs harriet right we, like, we always like they always like like describe her as somebody who's just sneaking through these underground railroads like uh, just she was, telling she was getting gangster on him, showing her that little scar. Like, come on, yo. <laughs> <laughs> like, I heard about, like, so my sister showed me um, this one podcast where they're going in depth about Harriet's history that most people don't know about. And pretty much they said that she was threatening to bust a cap in anyone's ass that she was trying to save and that would slow her down. So if she had a group of people she was trying to lead along the railroad and they all of a sudden want to get scary and uh-uh, she would kill them. Yeah, because would. I mean, you couldn't risk them yeah, going you back and giving yeah, up. Yeah, to... exactly, exactly. She couldn't risk it. I was like, damn, okay. <laughs> but what I thought was funny too, along the lines um, with this, is General Robert E. Lee wrote, "The chief source of information to our enemy is through our Negroes. Uh, our niggas running, telling all our business." <laughs> <laughs> yup, well, I'm, I'm telling. Yup. So they get up there. Oh, they was down there doing this. Right. They was down there doing that. Oh, I'll tell you anything you want to know. Right. Right. Anything. Straight up. Straight up. Just to get closer to freedom, man. Hell yeah. I'm telling all of you. Mm, snitching. There was no yes. snitch. There, there, there was snitching back then. There was no such thing as no snitching, son. Oh, uh, nah. Not against the enemy. Hell no. Nah. Fuck y'all. <laughs> but so the black regimes, at this point, like towards the end of the war, the war ended in 1865. So towards the end, um, you know, the black regimes fighting for the Union were so successful that the Confederates finally began considering arming slaves late in the war. Two months, two months before the war was over. Like mad late. (laughs) Like, yeah. So I saw that on March 13th, 1865. Okay, March 1865. The war ended in May 1865. The Southern legislation 
finally passed, you know, a bill or whatever that would free black slaves if they enlisted in the Confederate army, although they had to have consent from their masters. So they still had to get permission. So they only got about 50 ex-slaves because like, ain't nobody letting go of their slaves. They let no fuck. Like, uh, not, not the strong ones. Like who are these fifty? <laughs> no, not the strong ones. Who are these fifty people? Nah, but think dumb. about it. Like who were these 50, 50 people that were allowed to? They were yeah. probably like the people that they were probably like the people that they didn't care. Like they didn't care for the person that right. didn't pick as much cotton. Like yeah, right. he can go. Yeah, and it was like it was such a long, tedious process, and of course the stubbornness of the Southerners. Like they didn't even get a chance to fight because by the time they were still in training when the war ended. Yeah, I mean, talk about like racism. Like, if you're really like your your ideology is so thick, yes, that that it got in the way of your own initiative. Mm-hmm. Nope. Like that's crazy. Yes, that's crazy. Ridiculous. So, as I said before, the Civil War ended in May 1865. Mm-hmm. Um, and another thing that I thought about was Juneteenth because I was like, hmm. June 19th, a.k.a. my birthday. Hey. June, <laughs> June 19th is like right, you know, after I was wondering if there's any connection. So I Googled it. And of course, there is connection. Um, I just I like, damn, I should know this stuff. My God. I mean, don't blame yourself, though. Like, like, think about all the research we had to do to get to it. I know. You know what I'm saying? Like, damn. Like, so pretty much on June 19th in 1865, so that's a month after the war ended, and it's also known as Juneteenth, it was announced in Galveston, Texas, which is also um, like the most recent school shooting happened at Santa Fe High School was in Galveston County, wow. which is, you know, which was very sad correlation that I found. Um, God bless them. But um, it was announced that slavery had ended. Mm-hmm. So... Um, a general, I'm, I should have put his name down, but a general rode out there, you know, and just announced it. Like, I don't know if he just announced it to the the, the center square of 10 people. Yeah. I don't know who he announced it to. But um, pretty much throughout the war, Texas was not as closely monitored as other battle states. So for this reason, many slave owners went to Texas with their slaves, you know, being hard headed. Mm-hmm. That was what they wanted to do initially. So while, you know, we over here fighting, they snuck right on off. <laughs> oh, y'all, y'all ain't set looking. Up shop, set up y'all, shop. Y'all ain't, looking, y'all ain't looking. They tiptoeing right over there. And then, too, like a lot of them were setting up down in Louisiana and a place like that, too. But kind of like the fighting was kind of spreading out that way. So they would have to kind of like flee the Union uh-huh. soldiers. <laughs> so that's why they kept running out west. Um, so since they ran away from Union presence, slavery continued in Texas way longer than it should have because it didn't just end with the announcement that that general made. I mean, the slave master still had to tell the slaves that they were free. Why the fuck would they do that? Hell no. You know, like, why would they do that? And it's not like they had radios and stuff like that back then. So they didn't know. They had no idea that, you know, slavery was abolished. Um, Well, at that time it wasn't abolished yet, but soon after it would be abolished. But the, the June 19th date is celebrated because that was the day of the initial announcement. announcement in yeah, Texas. so people, right. So that Juneteenth celebration started in Texas. And mm. now just all over, people just celebrate it. You know what I'm saying? Um, I think, honestly, they may celebrate it because we didn't know about the Memorial Day that we started that either. So I, th- yeah. I think the Juneteenth um, had been widely known, you know, before. So I think we kind of just took on that date as the ending of slavery. But um, 
pretty much I'm going to end it with this whole story, <laughs> the Civil War story. So the war ended in May. It was announced in Texas in June. So Emancipation Proclamation pretty much just decriminalized slavery. Like I said, it was just an announcement. It still ain't law. It's just decriminalized yeah. like we just decriminalized. <laughs> I think it was leaving so, wiggle room. Like they wanted to leave oh, a little wiggle yeah. room. Oh, yeah. I said just like weed. Like they decriminalized it, but your ass can still get locked up for uh, it. Oh, yeah. So um, the 13th Amendment didn't come along till the end of the year in December. So seven months after the war ended, then there was finally a law that prohibited slavery. But like I said before, that still doesn't mean that everybody knew about it. Mm. And, you know, at the end of the day, the only way the North could win is pretty much by freeing the slaves. So yeah. it was like because they got so involved with everything. So, you know, we really have to be thankful that they slipped through those cracks and found a way to infiltrate their system and found a way to be helpful to mm. the opposite side. Whereas, you know, they didn't have a choice but to free us. Um, but, yeah. I had no idea how the Civil War was connected to the emancipation, you know, of slaves and mm -hmm. how that whole story went about. Um, this is a very, very, very broken down version because <laughs> we've already been talking for almost an hour. So this is super duper broken down. So um, but there's tons of information online if you really want to, like, just read those individual stories of the different uh, black troops and the different infantries and, you know, the different battles that they fought. Mm -hmm. And there's also, you know, a ton of different stories about just individuals, you know, just, the, and then just not even like, <laughs> I didn't even want to, the, the mass graves, that's just, that's a lot. If yeah, you want to read more about yeah, that too, yeah. there's plenty of information because the dead were littered all throughout. You know, you're, you're away from your home. The dead were littered all throughout. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you know. They They're just, all over the place. Yeah, yeah it's all, all over, over the place. The place. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. But, yeah, that's like bullshit ass American history, yo. Didn't learn any of this. None. Well, whatsoever. we learned it in bits and pieces. They didn't tell us the connections, like how it all went together. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know for what sure. I'm saying. For sure. But if you do what was really so, from knowing all this, if you want to visit, you know, one of the earliest known sites of where slaves who fought you know, for their and our freedom were buried. You know, if you want to visit a place like that, you can just find a United States colored troops section in the veteran army. And that's what they were called. Well, the United States, the veteran army or some, no, there's cemetery. no in a veterans army there. Okay, I mean, gotcha. did I say army cemetery? cemetery yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> in a veterans cemetery. They're all throughout the country. Um, they've had to establish these cemeteries for these bodies. So that's when they started the, um, I don't remember the year. It was like maybe 10 or 20 years after the Civil War. They started establishing all these different veterans, veteran American cemeteries all over the country uh, to place these bodies. So that's why I was saying like these people, they can be, you know, in Tennessee, but they were from New York, you know, yeah. it's just that's where yeah. their body was found. And they just put them there. And a lot of them, too, like we said, are unknown. Um but I found that there was one actually down the street from my house. <laughs> Weird. I was like, really? Okay. Had no idea. So I went this morning to go visit because, you know, why not? Like, especially after doing all this research, like, I know exactly where, you know, these former slaves were buried that took this, you know, courageous journey, mm -hmm. you know, to fight towards the freedom of all of us. 
So I went and <laughs> I, if you guys have been to Philly, you know, it's just like mad hood. And all of a sudden it's nice. Like I'm driving straight up through the hood. Like I'm chilling. I'm like thinking, I'm thinking I'm going to come across it like head on. Like it's going to uh-huh. be in front of me. So I'm driving, whatever, passing all these raggedy row houses. So all of a sudden, it's just like, bam, on my left side, like just like a row of just all these white headstones. Like I jumped. I was like, oh, I wasn't ready. Like it was just so, it's overwhelming because it was so many, you know, gravestones. It was so many there. And that's so, not even like a percentage. Like, it's absolutely And this is one nothing. of the small ones. This yeah. isn't, this one isn't even like really listed on the national like registry. I just okay. ended up finding this one through an article that somebody wrote in like a Philadelphia newspaper. That's okay. the only reason I found out about this one. Cause it's not really on, you know, on the scale, I guess to even be considered, but they have at least 300, um, civil war, uh, troops, uh, colored troops in that particular cemetery. So I went there and, you know, it's a pretty gloomy day. I'm just like, huh, oh, fits the mood. Mm-hmm, right. <laughs> so, so I go in there. Um, I looked previously on the map, so I knew the section. So I'm, actually, the section was like really close to the entrance. I thought I would have to walk a little ways. What so section? What section? It was like it was section C. Like they have different, there are different sections labeled throughout the um, the cemetery, so that you know where to go, what you're looking for particularly, I guess. Mm-hmm. And what were you I know, looking for? What what made you go to? So section pretty much C? section C was where the Civil War United States colored troops were buried. Okay, so the, so it's not just the it's not just for the Civil War. It's any war. Is mm-hmm. that what you're saying? Okay. Yeah, because they had, um, yeah, yeah, there's also, but they also have a section for the Confederate soldiers that were, gotcha. I guess, in this area. So they have that section, too, where they're buried. Then they have a section of where um, people that died after. So the, the section that I was talking about, Section C, that's the people that died in the war. Okay. okay? okay. So then there was another section, Section G. Those are people that served in the war, but they didn't die in the war. They served in the United States Colored Troops, but they just they still were alive. So they still, they still yeah. yeah, they survived the their, war, but yeah. So but. they died like eighteen ninety or something, and so on some of their gravestones, they still had the United States Colored Troop emblem. Oh, but um, yeah, so it was cool that I could see it. So I know, like for instance, um, I saw some arguments, like for instance, the Arlington Cemetery. Um, they had a segregated part where they would uh, bury all the blacks you know, into the back of, you know, the back section or something like that. Mm. And they would argue about that. Da, 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 da. And I'm like, but I kind of like to know where specifically I can yeah, find, yeah, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? So that's why I'm like, I get that you want to integrate, but it made it so much easier for me to just go and be in that one section. Mm. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Cool. I don't yeah. really want, I have no desire to visit the Confederate, the Confederate graves. <laughs> exactly. I, so I want to know where they are. Yeah, so exactly. So I can avoid them. Exactly. Look, so... <laughs> Right. So I can, then, so, so I yeah, can spray they, paint on the tombs. Like, I mean, in the cemetery, they also had, um, you know, a bunch of Union soldiers too. But there was one Confederate section. So as soon as I got up to the section C, to the the troops that died in the war, the colored troops that died in the war, the sun started shining. I was like, okay, <laughs> like dang clouds, all right, <laughs> beaming. Yes. So I sat there while I was, I was walking through, and it's kind of like creepy walking through because it's like, oh, I'm stepping right on top. Sometimes you walk and you feel like the ground digging a little bit. It's like, mm. somebody gonna grab your ankle. Mm. Right. But so many of those like grave markers were just so worn away. Like you could tell it was from the 1800s. Like you couldn't even read um, what was on there. But a lot of them look like they had been like re 
done. I don't know if maybe it's like family or maybe there's some sort of like associations that go through. And once they finally discover the ID, they go through and re, you know what I mean? Mm. Get um, a new grave marker made. But some of them were so worn down or some of them just had nothing on it at all. Just a marker because you don't know who it is. Um, But yeah, one. So I walked around and I was looking at the other section Texan G, which had the people that served in the colored troops, but they still lived on. Um, and when they, you know, passed, they were late, later laid to rest there. So I turned to the left. All of a sudden, I'm like, I'm not even kidding you. Like, I walked to the section and all of a sudden the clouds started coming back in. Like, it started getting <laughs> gloomy. <laughs> it started getting gloomy again. <laughs> and I didn't even pay attention to it. I was just like, ooh, some shade. So I didn't even pay attention to it. So all of a sudden, I like, I turn and, you know, they have these little uh, plaque stands with information about like the sections so i see this one and it's like it's all gray at this point so i see this one it's covered in flies i was like what the fuck so i step up a little closer it's talking about the confederate section (laughs) (laughs) i was like this cannot be real right now like it was literally crawling with flies like i have a video of it that i can put up it was covered in flies all these flies flying above it i'm like did someone smear shit on this like why is <laughs> like everybody everything else was so nice in the cemetery as soon as you get to that section it's like there are flies flying all around it all of a sudden it got all like the, the sun went away it was uh-huh. like, yeah. and it was like i felt like my ancestors were telling me like better not better not don't, you don't dare even step, read it don't, don't even you read dare it dare step a foot on that ground like i just took a step back i was like mm. Nope. All right, all right. I ain't gonna go over there, y'all. I ain't gonna go over there. I'm not, I'm, we good. The ancestral <laughs> planes. They was like, you better not. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm good. But it was a good amount over there. Like, I think it's like close to 200. Confederates, yeah. And look, uh, I saw there. the pictures you sent me, man. Yeah. Look, like, it makes me want to go. I might have yeah. to make a trip. I mean, here. or maybe see if there's even one in your area. There may be. They're yeah. all over. Oh, I'm pretty sure New Jersey is is mm-hmm. is pretty much monumental in war and stuff like that. So there's right. stuff all over the place. There's a whole bunch of bunkers and all this stuff over right. here, you know? Right. Yeah, that's very interesting. Yeah, so you can have a little patriotism. And yeah. feel it a little bit, I guess. Yeah. So, so what did you get from, <laughs> like, if you can speak on, like, what did you get from doing all this research and diving into this? Well, like I was just saying, I can now feel a little bit of patriotism. I never felt any patriotism for this country, really. But I can feel it through them, you know what I mean, and what they stood for. I have no problem rallying behind that. So, especially now with Memorial Day, um, I just I'm just glad I have a better sense of what it actually means and what happened. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I'm not just like, okay, we doing cookouts and to remember what I don't know. I knew like like you know like some of my family members they would you know go to I know a lot of people go to visit you know deceased Actual relatives yeah, yeah yeah so I always kind of thought that's what it meant and I mean of course it can still mean that but I never really truly knew what because then we have yeah I never really truly knew what it actually meant so glad that I know now and hopefully you guys are glad too <laughs> if you didn't know some of this information. I think what I pull from it, like most, is like, um, you know, if we take it back to that event that they had in Charleston, and just just black involvement, and that kind of just not being in the general education that I received, mm-hmm. um, it's just another example of just selective history and just controlling a narrative, right. and you know, even John Brown, 
John Brown, he has his historical site, you know, and I wonder if he was a black guy, would he have been left out of history too? I don't know if I learned about John Brown when I was in school. So it's like, if our contributions are continually left out, how could we ever develop that patriotism? Like, how can we ever look at this country in the same way? Exactly. As, as our uh, white counterparts that are the ultimate patriotism, you know? And it's like, maybe if we just had more examples of contributions of this nature, we'd have more pride. And I'd also like to note that, like, you know, one of the things that spawned that we were talking about, we saw black people invented Memorial Day. Clearly, like, kind of in going through the history of it, there's so many moving parts. It's not so much, like, I don't want to dwell on, like, so much, hey, we invented it, because mm-hmm. that would assume that there wasn't a John Brown. Mm-hmm. There, that would assume that there wasn't other people in history that came together and did mm-hmm. certain things, you know? Right. So it's really just acknowledging contributions. Yes. Like, you can't just willfully leave stuff out and then just assume we're going to have the same type of viewpoint as you. Information, if you give us information, maybe as we sort out our own history, like, we can finally figure out our place in this other than, you know what I mean, just slavery. You know what I'm saying? Hell yeah. Nah, man. This was a very interesting topic. Yes. Very deep. Yes. And you did your groundwork, man. You went to the same. You went to the cemetery and all that. You know what I'm saying? I want to get firsthand experience. You know I was what I mean? in this. I had my little my little stones, my selenite to protect me. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm not. Mm-mm. All right, you picking up no spirits here. I only want to see who I want to see. I don't want none of y'all, none of y'all others, none of y'all others. <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah very eye opening. Now my eyes are open everywhere. Like, well, what else? Yeah, what else have I just been walking by? You said, how far was the place from you? Ten minutes at that? I drive by it all the time. I've drove, I've driven by this. <laughs> I don't even know how many times. And I was kind of, I wanted to, like, when I was leaving, I saw this older couple walking into there. And I was like, darn, I kind of wish that they were in there so I could have, you know, talked to them. Yeah, yeah. Because maybe they might have, you know, had some information. But I can always go back again. And I oh. definitely got to teach my son this stuff, so yeah yeah for real um i really hope you guys got something from this or just learned a little bit of something because i know i did and yeah. i know you memorial did. day's more than barbecues and wearing all white um but it's still gonna be there yeah it's still gonna be barbecues <laughs> wearing all white you know what i mean but when you're biting into that banging chicken mm-hmm. keep in mind keep yes. in mind keep in mind yes those fallen soldiers that gave their lives for us yeah for sure um appreciate it yes thank you for listening thank you guys you guys are awesome bye have a good holiday peace yeah peace